Good afternoon and welcome to the second edition of the SME Connect, a show or a program that is just geared towards conversations for your typical businesses, your typical SMEs, businesses that have an impact on the livelihoods of very many Ugandans, contribute a huge percentage to our GDP, contribute a huge percentage in terms of the jobs provided within our economy. Our guest today is none other than Patrick but before I introduce our, our, I introduce our guest today, for all of those who want to join us on the different platforms, we are on YouTube on a channel uh, dedicated to this discussion, which is the SME Connect. So go to YouTube, you'll just see uh, SME Connect. Please uh, get onto that. You can also join me on my Twitter uh, feed, and my Twitter handle is comrade underscore Otoa. It's just below as well. You can also do the same on Facebook, and my handle is uh, Comrade Otoa Jr. You won't fail to find that. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's just get into the conversation. So, let me begin by introducing our uh, panelist today. Uh, Patrick Bittaturi, very amazing guy. He calls himself a hustler. I have uh dance a bit of uh, research on him and you can tell that he has been in this business world for quite some time he has managed to circumvent several situations including regime change which of course had or included a lot of the need to be survive uh, the need for businesses to survive but also for businesses to be uh, resilient now as we discuss and continue our discussions on uh, corona uh, and how business can survive, you know, it's very interesting to note that, you know, there's a lot of far-reaching implications of this um, uh, COVID pandemic and it has dominated the news and by doing so, it has also raised a lot of anxiety and stress among a lot of business or business owners. One of the biggest issues or one of the biggest challenges, of course, is business survival. How can you sustain your business during these corona times and post-corona? Just yesterday, we were, uh, I would say, not just shocked, but um, uh, uh, informed by the president that uh, our lockdown was going to be extended by another 21 days. The impact of three weeks on businesses is quite phenomenal, and this is going to be felt wide and far, far and wide. So our guest today, Mr. Patrick Bittature, is ready to join us, and... Um, Let's make this a fun and very informative uh, uh, a conversation that should really, really inspire so many businesses out there to think about one thing, survival post-corona. So, good afternoon, Patrick, and how are you? Good afternoon, Tony. And if I may ask, Patrick, uh, I mean, for a man like you, how is business? I mean, how are things? How are things on your side? What is the new normal for you? How is it really impacting on how you're doing business today? I mean, tell us. Thank you. Everything's good. Everything's good. Slow, but we are holding in, holding the fort. Right. It's quite interesting that you actually say, you know, um, you know, it's slow, but sure. But I mean, you know, slow. Slow is something that is normal for many businesses right now, Patrick. And I guess for you in a sector like the hospitality sector, whew, you must be getting a hit, you know. Uh, for telecoms, you must be fine because, I mean, people are communicating. This is fine and this is going on well. But for the hospitality sector, I believe... Uh, your occupancy rates must be very low or there's nothing really going on. And I mean, I mean, tell us more about this. I mean, how is it on your side? What is your new normal right now? How is it on your side? Well, this is an ugly period for anybody in business. Even those who are in essential services, they are feeling that the, the heat is not a nice time. And uh, 
I, when you look at the, the landscape uh, globally and then locally, regionally, tourism get, bears the brunt of it. Tourism has been worst hit, I think. They're right at the bottom of the pile, followed closely by the airline industry. They're probably the same basket and uh, we're going to feel this impact hard. Um, the hotel business is going to stay affected, I think, a little bit longer because people need to be comfortable coming close together. I mean, uh, this social distancing has had its challenges and, and I don't think we can just walk out of it overnight. In the case of Uganda, our, our shutdown now is up to the 5th of May. Does that mean on the 6th we open? I really doubt. So, um, yeah, I can say a little bit more around that because um, Uganda has been fortunate we could stay right now. Uh, we are, our president has been very careful and he's been uh, recognized for the efforts he's made. He was quick, he was firm, he was bold, he was courageous. And that's uh, not an easy thing to do, to pull off uh, the strokes that he did. But if mm -hmm. Uganda doesn't get mm -hmm. the last 14 days of this shutdown, plus the next 21 that he declared yesterday, if we, which totals 35 days, if we don't get these last 35 days right, then His Excellency Museveni could easily wipe out all the gains he has made in the last 35 years. Because mm. that's mm. how long he's mm. been here. In 35 days, everything can be blown away. So he's been very careful. He's been very firm. He takes a lot of time explaining all the details to the most ordinary person. He breaks it down for you. And so that you understand where, what we're dealing with. He said, he described this as a war. And indeed, right. it, is, it, is, it is a war. It is a war. It's not been as catastrophic here, but out there, it's, you can see, like the US, it has really been catastrophic. So mm. it's mm. not easy. Mm. But I we've know. Got to, we've, got to, we've got to soldier on. That's, that's, I think this is quite interesting because um, this is actually going to lead to a lot of winners and losers, you know. Um, uh, you know, if you're not ready and steadfast, you might have to be or accept that you're going to lose out of this. And if you are really, you know, getting out there to really work on yourself and become a better company or a better business, then you will definitely win. But before we get into all of this and how we can actually survive, let me first ask the question, a personal question, which is, who is Patrick Bitature? And tell me more about your empire. I don't even call it an empire, what's left of it right now. But um, <laughs> I'm an ordinary guy. I'm an ordinary businessman. I began right. quite some time back. I've been on the, on the street and doing my thing for quite some time, almost 40 years now plus. So I've worked my way up and uh, no special qualifications. I think I've learned largely by experience. And uh, my flagship business is Simba mm. Telecom. Simba right. Telecom is, uh, is, is the main distributor for MTN and has got uh, over 350 staff with uh, focus on retail. So we have our own outlets and we distribute for mobile, for mobile money and uh, airtime for MTN. That's been our core business, but also we do handsets and similar services. So that's a core business. And from there, I diversified the portfolio. I went into property. I began mm -hmm. with uh, apartment blocks and then office building, uh, hotels. So the Protea Hotel in Kololo and, uh, and the Guru Skies. And I used to do management, so I manage the Entebbe Hotel, Protea Entebbe, I don't own the building. So that's okay. the core okay. business. Yeah, but I do everything. I do small other businesses as well, like um, a bit of waste management. And uh, that's right. slow right, right. now. Another right. area of interest for me is energy, electricity. I'm involved in right. electricity. I'm the chairman of right. Omeme. Right. I also am involved in Electromax, which generates power. 
I do right. a bit of farming, right. mainly cows, dairy farm. Um, Post-COVID, real business survival, the need to survive. Businesses have to stay on top of things. They have to stay relevant. This, for me, is what I want us to really focus on. You've been around for some time. You say you've been around for 40 years. You've been around through regime change. You remember the times that, uh, you know, regimes would have to change and everything in terms of business kind of flips. How have you managed to do this? So what advice would you give anyone post-COVID? I mean, what, 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 as we talk about survival right now, how does one survive or do business in a better way to be able to stay relevant? Well, business is an area where when you come in, you've got to continuously be adapting. If you don't adapt quickly to the environment, because the environment is continuously changing, um, business before NRM, before 1986, was completely different. Business in 1990 was different from what it is in 2000, and today it's completely different. Okay, we've the major milestones you could stay was the NRM, and then again, uh, 2008, when there was a global slowdown, so it took a bit of time to shock Uganda. But this shock we're going to feel because many people who are not born before 1986 or who are under 36 years old don't know what we're talking about or about a shutdown of an economy and see how we, they feel like they're imprisoned. But this is something we have gone through before. We endured this and a lot worse. Mm. And there were a lot of shooting when you are here. You're locked down at home, but you don't know if you're still safe where you are. So at least now there's order, there's rule of mm. law. So mm. this is something we can deal with comfortably and it just reminds us of what we went through in the past. What is required, of course, is resilience. You've got to be steady. You've got to watch the indicators out there. Largely, mm. the government gives you a signal. This is the space you've got to be in. That's the role of the government and makes that environment, that space conducive for business. And that's where the private sector moves. Today, they say only essential services are working. And they've described what the essential services are. It doesn't mm. include lawyers. Mm. It doesn't mean that lawyers are not essential. But right now, they're right. not classified. Unfortunately, the people who are under essential services, the doctors, the nurses, the people providing food, are largely the lowly paid people. They are never really fully appreciated. But today, in a time like this, or in a time of crisis, they come out to the mm. forefront as the essential service providers. Fortunately, you, the bankers, bankers are essential in whatever circumstance. Right. You find bank there. Telecom were right. there. People yeah. are providing an essential service. Most of them were, uh, are not fully recognized for the role they play, yet it's really important. Today, I look at those in, in the food processing and retail and delivering, making sure people get food, get medical supplies, mm. and uh, mm. get those essential services, personal hygiene, healthcare, ICT. These have become essential to different degrees. Right. E yes. E-commerce yes. has become essential because it's the future. And this might be a turning point for businesses because I don't think we shall go back to the old ways of how we were doing business. Some of them. Oh, yeah, it's a new. It's a yeah. new direction. A new door has been opened. There'll be a lot more e-commerce, a lot more e-trading, a lot more people using Zoom and these new technologies to communicate, to interact, to do business. So I think right. this right. is a milestone in, in, the, in, in anybody's life cycle and anybody's life history, and more so for business. It will be a turning point. I don't think business will be as usual. Well, that's quite interesting. Um, just, you know, this week, um, I, 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 I got onto uh, um, 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 
an online training uh, program which we have decided to innovate here at the uh, Business Incubator. And we were asking ourselves uh, within the same, how can we try and have continuity despite COVID? We're going into 21 days. Do we have to stop training or can we innovate and start training online? Uh, this week we began uh, training online and for me that is a very interesting uh, phenomena when it comes to the aspect of trying to stay relevant but also trying to stay above the water especially in this time which goes back again to this whole business survival element you see when businesses come out of COVID the first thing or the first instinct most business owners are going to have within themselves is survival do they have to cut stuff or do they have to be lean in order to operate? But also if they're lean, how do they operate in a lean manner where they do not cut off the fat which actually drives their businesses? Should they or can they maintain the stuff who they have within their businesses to be able to probably have them uh, at a full scale when operations begin? Because again, sometimes, you know, you've trained these guys, you've given them all the best that you can and you want to retain them. But necessity uh, in terms of necessity or the situation at the moment it becomes very tricky what would you say about that no tony i don't think life is going to be the same there has got to be a lag there's got to be a slowdown this slowdown has really slowed down the economy globally yeah. globally it is said that the the, the, the gdp is going to drop three percent countries like the uk and the us are probably going to drop six percent that is major the last time the globe, the world had a slowdown like this was probably the First World War, yeah, maybe the Second World War too. But uh, after that, we never had such a major shake because Second World War, I think, was 1% slowdown globally or thereabouts for some parts of the world. Today, it's going to be a major slowdown. Asia, everybody's affected. Now, the question is, what about Uganda? How are we going to be impacted? IMF has given some indications of the slowdown here and how much of an impact it has, but it's too early to tell. It looks like our curve has not been very steep. Our curve has been largely flat. It's gone up a little bit and come straight down. And if we maintain it there, we keep that curve down, the impact might not be too bad. But that is on the health mm -hmm. side. Economically, the longer that curve stays down and we stay down, it's going to hurt the economy. It's a dichotomy. It's one or the other. Now, the president has chosen to save lives. That's why he has taken this aggressive measure to make sure he saves lives. Bear in mind, he's got elections next year. I don't see a woman or a mother going out there to vote for him and uh, and feel, no, I'm not going to vote for you because you, the lockdown measures were, were too hard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very true. I think Very they, true. Will, they will appreciate that the measures were painful, but he did the right thing because he saved lives. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, that's very, very true. I, 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 when you look at Kenya, for instance, and I've been looking at social media in the last uh, uh, couple of days, you'll see that a lot of Kenyans are actually wishing that uh, Museveni was actually their president because of the way he's handling this, you know, situation. I mean, they've kind of like left business to run as normal, and their cases are rising as uh, at, 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 at a very interesting rate. And for Uganda, we see a different scenario where we are a little bit stagnant. So I think that's a good thing to actually note in terms of his leadership in regard to this but again now this now brings me to something interesting you've just been mentioning which is the lag yeah as a businessman or a business owner how do you prepare for this lag or how do you uh, deal with this lag because it's definitely going to happen you've just said it's inevitable it has to manifest how do you deal with it as a businessman 
The key word there is keeping an eye on your cash flow. Cash flow is key. I've always emphasized even before, without the COVID crisis, you've always got to keep an eye on your cash flow. You've got to be able to keep enough cash flow to meet your current liabilities, your current uh, debtors. You've got to make creditors and debtors. You've got to manage the cash flow, how much money is coming in and how much is going out. Because if you run out of cash flow, however good your business is, however, however profitable it is, you will die. Now it is even more heightened because of this crisis. So everyone's got to look right. out for their cash flow. When I look at my hotels now, we had to close down the hotels completely because we are bleeding. If you are spending almost 500 million, 600 million on salaries almost alone, the two hotels, then you've got to make sure you're making 700, 800 million per month to keep ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm. Those kind of numbers are scary. Mm -hmm. So the cash flow you have maybe can keep you running for two months or three months at any given time because you have creditors. But right now, the, 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 you've got to pay your creditors and you've got debtors who are supposed to pay you. Your debtors are not pay, paying you because they are holding out. They're in shock. It's a freeze. Right. Mm -hmm. Shock on the mm -hmm. demand side and mm -hmm. shock on the supply mm -hmm. side. Mm -hmm. Both sides are feeling this shock. And so both sides are frozen. But here you've got costs. So the sooner you stop your costs, the better. That's why we follow. That's a new word that's been going around. Follow your, 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 your staff. I mean, they have a job that they go on and pay mm -hmm. indefinitely until they are ready to pick up, business picks up. So some of the hotels have already announced they're going to okay. open in June, middle of June. Uh, and and uh, I won't say which hotels, but some have declared that the staff are not coming back before middle of June. Even though the shutdown change, uh, opens up ends on, on the 5th of May, I don't see the traffic that can justify the overheads that we shall be carrying. So we've got to manage this. Yeah. We yeah. have a phase managing of the hotels. Telecom is running, but the Kampala business is much lower than it was before. The, the COVID crisis. Our country is reasonably mm -hmm. stable, mm -hmm. seems to be recovering, but the Kampala business is still very low because demand is still in shock. It hasn't really come back. More people are using data, which is good, but then the cons using data is not the same as using airtime. The consumption is much lower because most people think right. oh, using WhatsApp is free and uh, Zoom is free. It's actually not free. You're using your data, but it's a lot less expensive. So it's impacting right. our business. Right. In so the key thing is if you've got um if you have leveraged your business and you've got some loans you've got to enter negotiations earlier rather than later with your bank write to them communicate effectively tell them where the problems are project your give them new projections of your cash flows and of your obligations and what has changed so that the bank can internalize fortunately the signal from the central bank is the banks have been encouraged to support their businesses the businesses that are viable to remain in business and that's a signal from the government too so if that happens, there shouldn't be too much attrition, natural attrition. There will be some inevitable. Mm -hmm. Those that are viable should mm -hmm. be able to pull through. It's only time will tell how long you need to be in this condition. But we've all got to tighten our belts, manage our overheads, manage our costs, and see that the recovery is quick. The economy needs to rebound quickly. The longer you delay and have an extended shutdown or an extended delay, the lag between mm -hmm. the shutdown being over and a proper recovery. There will be a challenge in that period, and some people just don't make it out. Fortunately, most SMEs are small. Much as they are small and they have a capacity only for a few days, they, are, they, they don't have reserves that can carry them through a couple of months. Mm -hmm. They are easy to start afresh because it's a small business. So <laughs> this is going to be quite an interesting one. I mean, the next three weeks are going to <laughs> be uh, a very interesting one for some of the businesses. They have commitments. They have rent. They have uh, overhead costs, like you just mentioned before, and all these other costs that might need to um, uh, come into play. 
The next phase, or when we get out of COVID, is going to be about capital. Capital. How do we get capital? How do we recapitalize? Or how do we get money to make our businesses kickstart themselves from the point where they had stopped? I think this, for me, is a very, very uh, interesting question. How would you advise them to go through that phase? If you don't have an agreement with your bank, then the bank will not just give you money because you've come for the first time. It helps that you've got a track record, you've got a relationship. Then the bank understands you. They have a, they understand your profile. Then they can give you money according to what you can handle. Others, the banks have still got to manage risk. Okay. Now people talk about rent. Yes. How yes. will I pay? So, so 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 so. If the landlord doesn't right. give you space, mm -hmm. where will he get a tenant? Either most landlords either have a loan or still also they want the income. So if you engage the landlord early, just like I said, engage your bank. You start explaining to them where you have a difficulty. The landlords will okay. reschedule. And if you can't pay now, they won't write it off, but they can roll it over and then spread it out over the coming months so that you find a mechanism to, to agree to stay together. The landlord wants the tenant, and the tenant wants the property, the, the space that he's using. So it's mutual. Don't think it's one-sided. Everybody's got a problem. The biggest challenge, of course, is food. If you don't have yeah. food today, the food will be sold to somebody else. So you need to make sure you manage your cash flow. So most people, especially at the lower end, have got food on a daily basis. Patrick, I think, I think, I think on a personal, personal level, how have you dealt with that issue of capital, raising capital, capitalization, or how have you dealt with that situation? I mean, you've been doing it very much for many of your, sorry, you've been doing it very well for many of your businesses. How would you advise someone who's either starting up or someone who is growing their business on how to find capital or get capital to uh, expand? Um, your personal experience, what is it like? What was that like? Well, it's not something that you can say in one sentence and, and wrap it up. It's a process. I must warn people, it's taken me 40 years to build the business that I've built. I chose to have a diversified portfolio so that uh, if the honeymoon with telecom ends, I didn't have all my eggs in one basket. I didn't want to put all my money in property. Right. The rate of return on property is much lower than the rate of return on businesses that are like trading, where you have a higher time rate of return. But the risk is much lower. So you diversify your portfolio. You have different revenue streams that feed the lake. Like Lake Victoria is fed by so many small streams, so many small rivers. That's what makes Lake Victoria what it is. And then it feeds the, the great river Nile that goes all the way to Egypt and feeds the Mediterranean. So these small diversified range of streams are very important if you can build them, but you can't do it overnight. Yeah. You build them over time. It's taken me this long to build them. And still we are now in shock. This shock is quite big. It was not foreseen. We put so much capital in hotels. The hotels are still new, still getting on their feet, especially the blue skies. And, uh, and there we are. We are feeling the shock. So it's going to take time to recover. So you need to have a bank that's listening and understands what you're doing and know that they need to give you time. Otherwise, the bank that's exposed to you also will be in a shock if they try to foreclose. There are no buyers going to probably be buying at that price. They'll have to take a haircut. So the same thing happens whether you're playing at that level or at the middle level or at the lower level. We all have issues to deal with, and we all have to be resilient. We have to be cautious. We have to be bold. We have to be courageous. And that's what it takes to pull through periods like this. Right, right. right. You, you, know, pa you know, Patrick, the last time we had probably uh, 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 a recession of this kind in this century was, um, you know, 2008, you know, 2009, when, you know, the economies around the world were doing so bad. But remember... Those were, of course, man-made. This one is not man-made. Our situation right now is a pandemic. You know, uh, the, the question of whether it's man-made or not is debatable anyway. But 
my challenge or my question to you in terms of uh, business survival and resilience beyond you know uh, cash flow yeah is what is it that a business can do to be able to become or be attractive to for instance you say the bank or any funders who want to uh, provide uh, funding or capital to their systems or, or, or structures what does a business have to do in times like this because again we cannot waste such a time it's usually also time to rejuvenate, a time to grow, a time to um, reinvent uh, ourselves. Um, what would be your um, uh, advice for such a situation? Okay. <clears throat> it helps to pull your resources to work together. It would be useful if our leaders, I think they're having a, a conference call either today or tomorrow, as East Africa. There are certain things you've got to coordinate at a regional level. Then as hotels, for instance, we have a hotel owners association. We have got to coordinate our efforts together if you're going to have any impact. Then you can, your, your challenges can be addressed collectively because we need to work with the tourism board to promote Uganda as a tourism destination again, to promote Uganda as a conference destination, to do mice. So if you do things on your own and you're not part of a bigger association, you lose out. And then as part of private sector foundation, for instance, where we have an umbrella organization where it brings together the manufacturers, the tourists, the SMEs, the other industries. We all come together. Then we see that the government can address our challenges collectively because no man is an island. We need to coordinate. We need to work together. And that working together will help you pull out of this slump quicker. But if you delay and try to work on your own, then you are an island. You slow down everybody yeah. else. So it, it does help to have these associations yeah. now, business associations, working together, harmonizing their position. National Planning Authority has got to think about what's happening, what's the best way and guide the government, that this is the roadmap we think that's best. Ministry of Finance will be listening to everybody. Private sector will also give its contribution. A group of CEOs will give their contribution. When you bring all these efforts together, you synthesize them and come out with a, a roadmap that is good enough for the majority. It might not be 100% comprehensive, but it should cover the majority. That is the best way to work together. And then Uganda takes its bit and sees what is Tanzania doing, what is Kenya doing, what is Rwanda doing, how can we bring this together? Then maybe the African Union looks at how is Africa going to pull out of this? So that A, we are mobilizing resources, whether they are from IMF or World Bank or the European Union or China, whoever is working with us gets a holistic picture and can drill down to a micro picture as well. Then that's how we shall all come out of this together. Otherwise, Everybody doing his little bit on his own right. will be a struggle. But at the end of the day, you've also got to do your little bit that feeds into this big picture. That means you've got to watch your cash flow. You've got to watch your costs. Mm. You've got to your marketing plans. You've got to be sharper in whatever you're doing, lean and efficient. This world, the new world order is going to be much more efficient. Where you can digitize, you've got to digitize. E-commerce seems to be the way to go. Supermarkets and the ordinary markets even, mm. I think, are going to find oh, yeah. different oh, yeah. oh, yeah. forward. Yeah. So the new businesses are going to be constructed around a new way of doing business. It will be the post-COVID era, and we've got to do certain things different. Schools, learning is going to change. Many more people are now embracing this uh, uh, Zoom. Our kids will go to school, but they've got to learn to use this new technology is much more. So I think this is going to have a, a massive impact on, 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 on the way we do business. I'm hoping it doesn't have a devastating impact on our health sector. We need, the government has to spend a lot more in the health sector, allocate more resources in that area going forward so that we are not caught unawares. 
America had been planning for these pandemics mm. and playing different mm. scenarios. Mm. Again, they were caught offside, and you can see how they have been decimated. What has happened in America has been catastrophic. Italy, Spain. I'm praying that that doesn't happen right. in any of the African mm. countries. Yeah, because we had a head start. We can see what happened, so we've taken measures early. And all we have to deal with, mm. with is economic fallout, because there will be a fallout. Well, now this brings me to one of my final questions, uh, Patrick. Uh, as former chairman of uh, Private Sector Foundation Uganda, you know, you, you've dealt with the big guys, the small industries, the big industries, and all of these guys, you know, the intermediate, uh, intermediate industries. Who do you think is going to come out stronger or who do you think is going to win? Oh, okay. Who do you think will come out easily out of this crisis or post-COVID? Who will come out stronger? I don't know if you can call them winners. It's probably not fair. But people who are in an advantageous right. position right now. I think you yeah. have the medical yeah. uh, medical supply and services. That industry has now got its opportunity. It's at, uh, the, those who are already in the business are going to do well. Whether you are making gloves, you are making uh, masks, um, you've, got, you've got a tailoring business that can orientate itself towards the masks, um, you're making sanitizers, those kind of services, they will do well. The food processing and retail I talked about, that's going to do exceptionally well. ICT, e-commerce, this is their chance to do well. Agriculture, they should also do well. Now, who are the losers? Right. The ones I said at the bottom of the list, I begin with tourism and leisure. We are going to be hit hard, and it's not going to be easy for us to recover. We just have to brace ourselves, and hopefully, sunnier days will come in the future. The aviation industry, like Uganda Airlines, they just started flying. They're going to feel the pinch, because many people are going to be reluctant to fly, because we're not sure who's infected and who is not. And if it takes right, right, one and a half years right. to develop a vaccine, not until we have a vaccine, as Bill Gates has said, we will be completely comfortable to know that the whole world has been immunized. So this danger, the danger of this disease, we don't want it to reoccur. And that would be dangerous if it comes again. And then, of course, people are in the business of construction, manufacturing. They will also, they're going to feel the heat, but not as badly as mm -hmm. the tourism and leisure or the aviation industry. Financial services right. and education, yeah. they are right in the middle. They are caught right in there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. They do, yeah. they are needed. Financial services will always make some money, but they're going to take a haircut. There will be non-performing loans, and they've got to provide for them. And it's going to be a bumpy period. So whereas they may make money and the central bank may relax the rules, the government may borrow money and bring it in and push most of the money through the commercial banks to help the business and private sector. But still, the commercial banks are going to feel some of the heat. Education, of course, education has got to change. It's got to be sharper. It's got to feel the impact. People don't have money for spending. So there's going to be a shock on the demand side and there's going to be a shock on the supply side. Some schools may even go bust because they just haven't managed their cash flow. So very these true. are some of the things that very, we very feel. True. Now, already we can see what has happened to oil and gas globally. The, oil, oil, the mm. world global price of oil dropped to almost $23 at one time. There have been some oh, yeah. negotiations to yeah. stabilize it, and it's around $30 today, but that will have an impact. So the price of oil should drop, retail price, which is a good thing. But then for us as a country that's supposed to be producing oil, FID might move further away because the, the technocrats involved have got to go back to the drawing board and see, can we service our debt? Can we recover building a mm. pipeline for $3.5 billion at the price of $30 on average for the oil? Last time, I think they had priced at about 
But now it might remain at $30. Right. And this And if it does, maybe we can build a pipeline. Can we also afford to build a refinery? That's another question to, to, to be looked at again. Those are big because questions there. Those are very big questions. Yeah, with a, a low oil price, it might not work. So we've got to look at all these things and, and, and see how, how the cards fall. But the main thing is to be resilient, mm. to be adaptable, to be ready to seize the opportunity when the opportunity makes itself available. Yeah, but Patrick, you know what is quite interesting about the SME sector, especially in the oil and gas sector that you just mentioned? It's quite interesting. Uh, I mean, I mean, uh, Many of these SMEs really breast themselves for opportunities, you know, for the oil and gas sector. They breast themselves for, you know, the, 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 the beauty of whatever is going to happen. But, you know, for the last four or five years, we've had a bit of a lag in that um, sector. In my opinion, I think these companies will be the best teachers of the other ones in the economy on how to survive. Because many of them have either had to reinvent themselves or taken on new business areas or new business streams to be able to you know, stay relevant or stay or survive. Because you see, for me, all of this just comes down to one, uh, one very interesting thing, resilience. I mean, how are we going to keep these businesses that do not understand that, you know, a lag is definitely going to happen, uh, that do not understand what they have to do next, how they should survive? I mean, as my last question, what is, well, I mean, what is the takeaway that you can actually uh, offer them? Okay, um, if there are two words you should take away today, one, resilience, two, adaptability. Now, FID is 10 years old, not four years old. Some of us have been in the business position near, near the industry. And since 20, 2007, when oil was first found, people started positioning themselves. Not a lot of traction until about 2010. Today, 2020, and we don't have FID. So it's been up 10 years, people have been waiting for FID. So those who have survived, because Talo, who was the main the company that, that struck the big oil in Uganda, they're on the verge of going under. They have had such a bashing. What has kept them afloat is resilience. That's the key word. Now, for the small businesses in Uganda that were positioned themselves and are still waiting for that day for FID, they've got to adapt to stay alive. You've got to do something else. If you bought a big chunk of land in Hoiman, had a warehouse, buy another piece of land and make a way, uh, buy a farm and start uh, start up a piggery, you're alive. You've got to be resilient or have a different revenue stream, whether it's in Kampala or in Toronto. Set up a business that keeps you alive so that you are adaptable to the environment. Because if FIND doesn't come for another five years, does that mean you hang yourself? You've got to find a way to adapt. Right. And that's the key word. So, when there's a bomb right. in an area, right. it's not the biggest animal, or the strongest animal, or the, the most versatile one that will survive. Right. It's the one that can adapt. And that's why that little animal called a cockroach is so adaptable. <laughs> you keep spraying different drugs, if some of them die, then they adapt and they come again. You've got to be like a cockroach and be really resilient. <laughs> and that's what makes you survive. Thank you very much, Patrick. But that's the first time I've heard of a cockroach being spoken of in a very positive light. But thank you very much. Um, we're not just going to go into the Q&A session, but we're going to try and get some questions from the guys who are watching us or listening to us. And we can just wrap this up in about, say, 20 minutes. But Patrick, thank you very much for this great opportunity, for your wisdom, for your accepting to come onto the show. And many thanks for this. And I must say, keep safe, keep washing your hands. Asante sana. Thank you.